Welcome to Standout Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness. My name's Ali Hill, and as a psychologist, I love asking people questions. And I thought, what better way to do this than to get the people I admire into a studio to share their stories? This podcast is our corner of the world where all of us can dive deep into what it takes to live a standout life. The first time I met Lola, she was guiding a group of women for a yoga class in the desert with Uluru as our backdrop. It was part of a conference with business chicks. It was magical, spiritual and amazing. And even then, I saw someone who was down to earth and wore her heart on her sleeve. Lola Berry is Australia's leading nutritionist, appearing regularly on television shows such as The Project, The Today Show and A Current Affair. She is a spokesperson on nutrition and general wellbeing in print and on radio and has a huge interactive online following. She has published 10 books, including her latest book, The Yoga Body. She has a smoothie bar in Melbourne called The Happy Place. We chat about the power of yoga, navigating business, failures, your favourite ones and the ones that are not so great, and the ways to look after your health and well-being even when you're travelling. Lola embodies her latest book, The Yoga Body, and unpacks this as a practice that all of us can connect with in our own way. Full of life and an adventurer at heart, soak up this chat with Lola Berry. Lola, amazing to be chatting with you. Dude, thanks for having me. It's, I'm glad uh, to be here. Uh, yeah, look, it's awesome to be able to connect with you. And uh, I want to talk about so many different things with you, but your latest book, The Yoga Body, which is just a beautiful book, by the way. I have it sitting here next to me whilst I'm sitting in my wardrobe <laughs> chatting to you because it's the best acoustics in the house. Um, but it is, it's beautiful. And you've obviously put out so many different books, but I've got to start with the question, what, what does yoga give back to you? Like, why is it such a big part of your life? Oh, mate, I mean, it's so much more than just getting on the mat and doing cool poses and looking like a pretzel. I think it's it gets your mind clear. There's a beautiful philosophy that goes hand in hand with yoga. And so you learn beautiful things like stira and sukha, which means to have the balance of strength and softness. Or, you know, you learn about sending a sankalpa at the beginning of class, which is to set an intention or a wish. You know, like I think we can take a lot more from yoga than just the physical. One of the things I love about yoga and whenever I have dived into it, I'm one of these, um, you know, I practice occasionally, but whenever I have dived into it and what I understand is that it teaches you different things every time you do turn up to it. Uh, thinking about even just in your last week, what has yoga taught you in this week? This week? Okay. Haven't been to yoga this morning, got up and gave a talk this morning, but I did yoga yesterday and, um, oh, I can't believe I'm admitting this. The teacher, I had um, gone on a few dates with mm. <laughs> previously a while ago and I, I try to avoid his classes as a result just because I'm like, oh, I want to feel comfortable. Yoga is my happy place. I want to feel comfortable. Yep. And I thought you've got to get your ego out of the way, Lola, and you've just got to go. And so I stopped looking at the schedule to see who was teaching and I just rocked up and he was teaching and it was awesome. And it was because I got myself out of the way and just gave the yoga to myself. And it was a great class and he's an awesome teacher and it made me go, ah, oh, 
get your own head out of the way and your own drunk out of the way and the goods deliver, you know. So I think that was a lesson in, yeah, letting the ego go. Does it continue to surprise you that these lessons turn up? <laughs> the boy lessons, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the yoga lessons. Um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Yoga, uh, it's the one thing that really kind of like never lets you down. Like you'll always feel good after a yoga class and you really never regret going to a yoga class. But I definitely like what you just said about you go through phases of kind of like diving in. I, I'm the exact same. Mm. I will go through phases where I am, you know, going to yoga really like so much and I've, you know, got a beautiful routine up and I become quite whimsical and quite esoteric in my thought pattern and I, and I feel great. And then I go through phases where I'm like, oh, haven't been for, you know, I've only been once this week and I go through these phases where I kind of break up with yoga and it never feels good and I always end up going back on that. Um, <laughs> I'm that kind of person. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing I'm, I'm learning about yoga is I feel best when there's more of it in my life as opposed to less. Beautiful. So this book, The Yoga Body, you go through um, poses, postures, talking about yoga as well as recipes. Mm-hmm. Why why did this book need to come out? What, what was the impetus behind The Yoga Body book? Oh, to put it really simply, it was just to follow a passion. Like I'm so passionate about yoga um, and it's just something that I love. It's a gift that I give myself when I practice. So, no, I, I'm a uh, – it's – for me, I just want to share what's real for me and yoga is real for me and it's something that I love so I absolutely want to share it. This path of, um, I guess, nutrition, movement, wellness, uh, that all kind of ties in for you. Was this always going to be on your cards from a career point of view growing up Um, or was there something else that potentially might have sprung up for you? Oh, mate, I was a DJ. (laughs) I was, like, not healthy at all. I think giant caramel koalas, lamingtons, I was a DJ by night, makeup artist by day. How did you become a DJ? Mate, I was a party animal. Yep. I wasn't even a good DJ. I just got invited and told to bring hot friends. I was just <laughs> like um, that fun party kid. And I just, I remember I dropped out of uni and everything, much to my dad's dismay, and um, became a DJ. And I just think I, I loved it. And look, I fell in love with my DJ teacher, and we had this amazing you know, amazing four-year ro- romance and he and I got to see through living with him and dating him what passion was because he was a music producer and that was his calling in life and his passion and I didn't know what mine was until then until I'd really seen it within him and it was then that I was like, I want that feeling. I want to feel like I'm called to do something. We call it dharma in yoga, your purpose, your bliss when time stops for you and I just thought, oh, I really want that feeling. And um, it was him that inspired me. So I see, I see, like the DJing was a very poignant part of my journey. And obviously, um, yeah, a big part of actually going, hey, this is really interesting. But DJing wasn't wasn't your thing. Is that is that uh, what you realised at that time? I mean, yeah, I was eighteen when I was DJing. Like, it was just a fun kind of like hobby. But I kept just, I kept wanting that feeling where time stopped. And I'd watch this guy I was dating, like, on this program called Logic Pro, which is his how he would have make music. And he'd spent hours there, and he wouldn't even know what the time was. And I was like, I want that feeling. So 
it wasn't about like not liking DJing. I knew I wasn't good at it and I knew I was just having a fun time. So I, I was just like, let's just keep searching until I find something where, you know, time stops me. And that's when I found, you know, I was called to foods and, and superfood and health. And I was like, well, you know, when you eat blueberries, they can cross the blood brain barrier. And, you know, broccoli works on the sulfation pathway of your liver. And I started just researching about food. And then I enrolled into a Bachelor of Health Science, majoring in nutritional medicine. I was really scared that I wasn't smart enough to be doing a science-y kind of degree. And sure enough, I failed with flying colors. My first subject, I got 31%. And, um, I realized pretty quick, lol, you need to figure out how your brain likes to retain information. And I figured out I was visual. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I started drawing what I was trying to learn, um, I started passing my subjects and figuring out how to retain information. But, yeah, it was a really, um, yeah, it wasn't like I wouldn't say I fell into health. Like I've always had a real interest in it, but I, I, I – fell into DJing and then I, through dating that guy, I saw what passion was. Um, like I see my parents have both got beautiful careers they love. And I'd say to a certain extent, my dad, like I see when he's with animals, he's a vet, when he's with animals, like you can tell it's his innate calling. And I, I think, yeah, always yearning for that feeling. And, and, and likewise, when that feels out of kilter for me, I'll pull away. Like that's half the reason my yoga the yoga body is here because I was overriding just food. I, I wanted to do more than just food and that's where the yoga came in and the book before that was beauty food because I used to be a makeup artist. It's more that hair, skin and nails, you know. So I think you've got to keep following that. My meditation teacher would say the charm. Yeah, fascinating. And obviously there's um, there's just more breadcrumbs ahead for you uh, around what might be next. You've written a, how many books are you up to now? Ten. Amazing. And what's the what's the interest in and I guess even going back to that very first book, um, obviously you would have had an idea and a passion about pulling that together. Can you remember what it was like when you got that first copy in your hand? Yeah, I mean you have a little teary the first time, it's like a baby, you know, mm. like um it's incredible. It's it, it's so cool, but it's so weird to think something you've spent like a year on because books generally take about a year to make. Um, and then when you hold it in your hand, you're like, it's coming to life. The biggest time I got that feeling though was with the happy cookbook. So that would have been my like fourth or fifth book because that was the book that was my vision. The first time that a book was my total vision, like it was, like the team and everything and and that was the first one where I I was like man this is me like it felt like me and then beauty food there were parts of beauty food that I had to fight for but that was my fate I was my favorite in that I I remember shooting that thinking oh I'm living this book like I remembered feeling um just because I, I remember right before the shoot, I'd been in the Maldives for a work gig for six weeks and I'd come back quiet and that's quite a spiritual thing to like cut cut off and just be swimming with whale sharks and living in an ocean hut for a while. Like, And I'd come back and I remember I felt spiritually so ready for that book. So for me there are all these little spiritual journeys and so they mean different things when they come out, you know. I can imagine that connection to be able to see the book and go, this is truly me and to be able to share that. Was there every, any point where there, that was also really vulnerable 
uh, because it was so you and it was yeah. out there in the world? Um, I'm a pretty vulnerable human being. I share every – I'm probably an oversharer, but um, I remember there was a book I shot the happy life and the days of the shoot I'd just gone through a breakup and that was really hard for me, really hard for me. One, to shoot and two, to be sharing. Like I remember the recipes were gorgeous. It was a gorgeous book but I didn't feel happy and it was a really – it was a really interesting process to birth that book when like and to because you shoot it at different times of your life. You know, you write it at one phase and as I'm writing the book, you know, I was blissfully in love and then by the time I was shooting it four or five months later, I was gone through a breakup. And so that was really interesting. So then by the time it actually came out, because you shoot it and you don't get it for another six months, I was really happy and free and whatnot. But I remembered thinking, oh, that's got the memory of, the pain that I've been through in it. And it's funny, that was my my least selling book. Thank so, you. you know, the energy you put in obviously does have some kind of effect. But it's also life though, isn't it? I mean, that's what's interesting. It's the up and down and the experience for most of us. But yeah, it's interesting that you could probably almost see your autobiography <laughs> in, in how oh, that, some yeah, of those books come yeah, together. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it's cool. It's very, very cool. Very cool to learn. And you, you talked about being in the Maldives and swimming whale sharks, and which just sounds beautiful and, and gorgeous. I know a lot of what you do, um, you travel quite a bit. Uh, yeah. From what I see, you're you're on the road. There's a lot of variety in what you do, not just authoring and putting books out, but obviously speaking. You mentioned before that you just you'd emceed a gig this morning, um, doing a lot of media and a whole range of different things, which can be exciting, but it also can be really draining. What are your personal? Oh well, let me ask another question. How do you know? What are your signs when things start to go a bit off kilter for you? whether that's from a health or just feeling yeah. like you're getting overwhelmed. What are those triggers for you? Well, what do you notice? Yeah, diet, number one. Your diet goes out the window straight away when you start getting real stressed out. Um, I'm an emotional eater, so like if I go through a breakup, I'll always put weight on. Um, but the, the diet will be my number one thing. And then when your diet goes, your sleep goes, they're hand in hand. And then when your sleep goes, you're, you're grumpy, so you want to eat more food. So, like, that's probably the biggest, like, cycle, real cyclic kind of thing that I'm uh, very aware of. But, um, yeah, I think the reality is, and this is what people forget, it only takes about 48 hours to start feeling good again. And in fact, 24, like, if you go right. I've stuffed up. And a lot of people, it's winter in Melbourne at the moment. It's very hard to want to eat really healthy. You want kind of a bit more comforting food. And um, I think, you know, it only takes like you eat really delicious, healthy food for one full day. By that night, you're feeling way better and you wake up the next day so fresh. And I think that we forget that it really only takes about a day, two days to start feeling good when you eat healthy food. But once you fall off the wagon, it's kind of a slippery slope. You can carry it on for as long as you want. Yeah, because you get into that, like you say, that cycle and, and the pit. Yeah. I, I really like that concept of just think, what can I do for the next 24 hours? It doesn't have to be the rest of my life. Yeah, but what can exactly. I do to feel good for the next 24 hours? So when you're travelling, do you have non-negotiables around your own health and well-being? 
Yes and no. It depends. Every situation is completely different. But if I'm on um, like that Maldives trip, I was shooting every day in bikinis and whatnot. And I was like, stuff this. I'm not compromising for one second what I um, I'm putting in my mouth that's going to affect, make me feel bloated or yuck or, you know, going to affect a shoot or a shot. Um so, like, I was really probably my strictest there and I was – because you're on the ocean too, you're having local fish every day and heaps of veggies and very easy to um, eat eat healthy. But some trips you go on and they're like – I've been on trips before and it's, like, fully catered or there's heaps of buffet breakfast and you kind of make this choice. You're like, am I going to, A, navigate my way through and make the best decision I can? Or sometimes, I'll, like, I was recently on a trip in Byron with a – family and I was like I'm not gonna I'm just gonna go with the flow and that meant overindulging a little bit so I think you just pick your battles but if it's a work gig nine out of ten times I stay on because I know I want to sleep well I know I want to feel on point I know I want um to feel like I'm putting my best foot forward to the audience so they get the most out of it I know if I compromise myself I'm probably not putting my best foot forward so yeah it depends on the situation but generally I'll try and stay on track with my health. Yeah, being really conscious of what you're what you're eating. When there's a yeah. lot, a uh, lot of opportunities that are in front of you, sometimes all of them are exciting, and you want to say yes to all of them, but they come at a price as well. What do you What do you say no to, and and how? how easy does it come for you to be able to, I guess, guard your time um, in order to be able to guard your own energy? What do I say in regard to what, what do you mean say yes and no to, like gigs or? I guess in terms of, yeah, gigs and opportunities and um, things that might be, then they might be exciting opportunities, but they come at a cost of sleep or having to, yeah, be on a plane again. Um, are there things that you say no to? Um or how do you how do you manage that from a I guess just being too busy perspective? Um, yeah, like to be honest, I should say no more. I'm not, not very good at saying no, but I I I know I kick myself when I've said no to the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I when I say yes to the wrong thing, um, I'm quite a yes person. Um, but I know when I say no, I never regret it. I've never said no and gone, oh, I wish I did that. Actually, once a Tiger Lily shoot, they wanted me to do this shoot and I'd been sick two days before and I was like, I can do it at like, and I'll be 60%. And everyone was like, just do it. No one's going to know you're feeling shit, da, 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 da. And I was like, nah, I don't, I want, if I do a shoot, I want it to be perfect. I'd rather say no. And I said no and I regretted that for like a month after because I love Tiger Lily. Mm-hmm. Um, but everything else, happily say no to and, and feel very comfortable saying no to, to yeah, gigs. Like, and a lot, the really yucky thing is a lot of people that think they know you or, you know, friends and family members and stuff want you to do speaking gigs for free. Yeah. And that's a bit of a kick in the guts. Cause you're like, well, do you want me to live on the street? <laughs> like, yes. you know, you've yep. got to, you know, so that's a hard one. I find family really hard. So like family, not direct family but like friends of friends and people that want want, and everyone does inevitably want something from you and just being aware of that dynamic as well um yeah so I don't know that I've got the right answer for that one but I definitely don't regret it when I say no apart from that one shoot 
Yeah. Yeah. And it is that knowing your, your worth as well and being able to make a choice, I think, around what do you say yes to? What do you go? Thank you. Appreciate it. But yeah, no, not from here. Totally. Um, what's the stuff that's, uh, that's lighting you up at the moment? Um, oh my goodness. Uh, there's a few things that I'm like working on, but I'm not, you can't really talk about them until they're done. Ah, can that's you? always like, the worst, really? isn't it? I know you got to keep it a surprise. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like a bit of a dick going, yeah, I've got these two projects I'm really excited about, but I can't say anything yet. But, um, <laughs> yeah, there's two things that I'm really, or three things I'm really excited about. Um, and I, I was talking to my business coach about them and he was like, oh, Lola, you're doing them. Like there's no question. I can see the way your whole energy changes when you talk about them. And I'm like, I know. So I'm really excited for some stuff. But until a few contracts are signed on the dotted line, there's no real – nothing happens until it's actually happening, you know. So yeah. Um, no, I yeah, get that. Yeah, yeah. Diving, mentioning having very roundabout answers today. No, but. that's fine. That's fine. Mentioning having a business coach. How important is it to have people in your corner that you can bounce things off? Well, you have people that are unbiased because the reality is there's so many dingoes out there. So, I mean, a lot of people want the wrong stuff from you. A lot of people want to use you. A lot of people want you a certain way. Um, and so, having a business coach, and I have a therapist as well. Um, just to go, oh, yeah, they just call you bullshit. They'll, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear or not. Oh, you can totally um, swear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but they'll, and, and they'll also tell you when you got to walk away from stuff. I'm, like I'm, my biggest weakness is often like heart stuff. I'll get like start dating someone next minute. They'll be like, hey, can you help my business? And I'm like, yeah, oh, man. man. And so it's really great to have a therapist help you kind of like, oh, that person's an idiot and using you, you need to walk, have more self-worth and walk away. Um, and then on the business coach front, it's just really good because, I mean, like I, you know, I've got a few big business choices to make soon and, and you know, there's pros and cons to them but there's a lot of money involved and there's a lot of risk and whatnot and, and just having a business coach to go that's a good idea or no, that's not a good idea and you know that they're only – goal is to help you make a better choice so that you get your goals and that's it's really nice working with people that are a thousand percent in your corner I really like that dynamic and feeling and their their ability to be able to tell you what you need to hear not just what you want to hear which sometimes your friends can tell you what you want to hear but having someone yeah and sometimes friends will say what they think you want them to hear and you don't need to, you know, like it's very interesting. I was talking to my best friend in the entire world literally about an hour before this and, um, oh, we hadn't caught up for two weeks because she's just been under the pump and and I was like, oh, man, and she answered the phone. So we haven't spoken for ages and she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we finally caught each other and we just, it was just like no time had passed and we were just, like straight away gas bagging and I said, I've got this issue, like I don't know what to do. And she's like, this is exactly what you're going to do. You know, you're not being crazy. This is what's going on. I got your back. Start now. Let's get this sorted. And I'm just like, awesome. You know, like those people that, that when they literally just want the best for you and it's really rare but keep those ones close. Absolutely, yeah, have those those people in your corner. You do have a bunch of, and you mentioned before, obviously, about having a business coach. What's surprised, what has surprised you about being in business? Um, well, I mean, this business and this business. So as talent, um, the thing that surprised me working with like social media and talent is like no one's got your back really as far as 
other profiles and talent go. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned that with, you know, when I've gone through faced adversity publicly and, and like people I thought were my friends with profiles and stuff, you know, kind of bagging me out. Right. Um, so, so, so as far as that part of business goes, you've got to have your own back. But as far as like having a smoothie bar and like the cogs and like the more um, hospitality side of things, oh, man, I've learned so much, you know, like staffing and dealing with blenders blowing up and, you know, like <laughs> just little things like people rocking up late to work and, um, you know, I didn't for a million years think I'd be doing that and just learning that and managing people's personalities and, um, you know, just, yeah, I think the business side of things is like how long's a piece of string? I'm always learning. And the coolest thing is like the best bit about it all is is like the failures in business are my favourite things. I know that sounds so messed up but – I love failing because you learn not just about yourself, you learn about how you deal with stress and how you, um, how others kind of like deal with it. It's really cool. Like I was in a really hardcore business meeting two days ago with just all men and me and, and big investors and we were talking lots of money and and um, we were talking about a, a, a business venture, just a potential one. And, you know, like you, when you're dealing with these really highly powerful human beings, you can't just walk – like people think that you're the dumb blonde with big boobs sometimes, you know, like you've got to – you know, be able to hold your space and it's, it's, but still in a really feminine way. It's like, it's a business is fascinating to me. I love it. and I love learning it, but, um, I find it, I find that I'm very intrigued by it more than like, I don't, uh, and this, you might think I'm crazy saying this. I don't feel like I'm a power woman. Like, you know, you see those women and they're like, oh, I just want to be an entrepreneur and stuff. I'm like, no, nah, man, I just want to live my passion. And if that means opening smoothie bars or if that means writing books, sweet mate. But as long as I'm living my passion. So I feel like I've kind of got this hippie twang, but I've still got this business sass that I like. And to me, there's this like cool femininity to bring to a masculine world. And that's what I like about business. And that you can, yeah, flow and go with where that that needs to go. I think business is one of the biggest um, personal development things that you'll ever go through, (laughs) to be really honest with you. You you can press every button and provide um, amazing insights and learnings along the way. You mentioned, you know, that you love failing before. Do you have a favourite failure? And what I mean by that is a failure where you've you've grown or learned so much from that, that maybe comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, and I was just talking about this this morning. Like I bought out a diet plan with a really controversial name. It was a four-week diet plan. It was going to be coming out on Boxing Day. Um, and my business partner at the time said, what are we going to call it? And I'd been writing it all day long. And when I write, I get really hungry. Um, and I'd eaten a whole block of marvellous creation, <laughs> that really bad chocolate that I swear they laced with something. And I said, I wish I could call it Stop Being a Fat Bitch. And he goes, what? And I said, well, that's what I feel like today because I've eaten a whole block of this chocolate. And he goes, we have to. And I said, you're joking, right? I'm going to get murdered. And he goes, women shouldn't speak like that to themselves. He's like, we need to shine a light on the way women speak to themselves. And I said, mate, like I'm the happy girl, like I'm the happy cookbook writer. And um, he goes, nah. 
we're doing this. And so we bought it out, like, stop being a fat bitch, change your mental dialogue, change your life. No one saw the subtitle. And um, and it was like within two hours the Daily Telegraph had written, you know, Lola Berry, career suicide. Uh, and, you know, like yeah. a current affair running it. My phone was running off the hook. All my contracts were iced. I was um, legally gagged. I wasn't allowed to talk to media. And all I was allowed to do was a 15-second apology video on Instagram. And I cried in the video. And the next night, that's on a current affair, you know. Like it was really full on. But the thing that I learned from it was my own audience turned me. Like there was a hashtag called Bin the Berry with photos of my books in bins, you know, um, other health bloggers were writing about it in a negative way. And, and it was like, it's like interesting. It's like when you're cool and everything's great, everyone wants to be your best mate. The second that you're not cool and shit hits the fan, it's like imagine turning a light on and cockroaches going running. No one wants to be your friend, you know. So I just think, um, you know, like yeah, that was a failure, but far out it taught me that, you know, I've probably only got five real friends and that's plenty. And, <laughs> and you know, they, they're sticking with you. Yeah, they're sticking with you through everything. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah, else definitely. What else did you learn? Those ones. Yeah, totally. What were some of your other lessons through that experience? Um, well, I realised that I was a dollar sign in many ways for a lot of people that I was working with. I'd never re- I think I romanticised business relationships a little bit and think, oh, they love me because they love my energy and no, no, no. They love my followers and they love my c- community and audience. It's not necessarily loving me personally. So just like getting more to the ba- basics of business and um, and also learning to go, all right, I stuffed up, I apologise, but I'm a good person at the end of the day and I'm effing kind. And I had to believe in myself in that moment and go, well, I'm human. I effed up. I'm sorry, but I know that I'm a good one and I'm going to keep going. So it was having that moment, you know. In a really practical sense, what were the steps to help you get back to believing in yourself? Because I imagine, as you say, that you just would have felt overwhelming at the time and obviously having your five, those five core friends that did did um, believe in you is really, really key. Was there anything else that kind of helped you get back to that realisation of going, my message is good, um, what I'm doing is worthwhile and I need to believe in this really strongly? Um, to be completely honest, you're going to laugh when I say this, but Sophie Monk, I was really close mates with Sophie Monk mm-hmm. throughout that ha- happening. Well, she is was best friends with my roommate, and so I saw her quite a lot because she'd always be over because she was um, hanging out with my roommate, and um, she was with me while it happened, and my, room, my roommate was that business partner at the time, and she was great. Like she was like, babe, you're going to get through this. She's like, trust me, you're going to – and every day she'd just check in and she'd be like, you know, I put a photo – she'd been in Northern Territory like the week before and put a photo of her thumbs up being next to a dead pig's head. You know what Mm. I mean? Like and she's like, and I didn't get – I can get through that. You know, she goes – um, she goes, this will pass. Like, and she just kept, you know, every day she'd be like, you're okay. You've got this, you've got this. And it just, it just got better and better each day. And, she, but yeah, having somebody that had been there and been in the public eye and been, you know, on the negative side of it or the flip side of it, um, was just, it was really comforting. And so she was probably one of the coolest people to me in that, in that instance, for sure. 
can imagine, yeah, really powerful to have someone not only in your corner but someone who's gone through something similar on a very public platform Yeah, to be able to, yeah, yeah. work through that as well. Yeah. In terms of your passion area around health, nutrition, well-being, um, people just being kinder to themselves, what are the conversations do you wish we were having more of? Oh, I mean... In regard to being kinder to yourself and compassion and, and, and all that, I mean, I feel like that's pretty widely celebrated on the Instagram pages I follow. Um, like I follow all the spiritually kind of like ones, so I feel like it is celebrated. I think that there's probably more talking and less walking when it comes to the being kind to yourself kind yeah. of stuff. Like, sure, it's one thing to post about it or write about it, but do you really live it? Like just – yeah, I, I think it's a very common, like even this morning on the health panel, you know, self-worth and self-doubt were two really um, popular topics. But, yeah, you've got to actually, it's one thing to say it, it's another thing to live it. Like and in myself as well, like I think I'm all about like loving you and owning it and doing you. And, you know, I absolutely don't do that sometimes and I will put others before myself at a cost to myself and it feels horrible sometimes. Like, you know, you do it for, like, for example, this weekend I've got a weekend away, I'm taking my dad away but I'm forfeiting my pay. So I'm not getting paid for it. I'm just, you know, doing an influencer event and it's been a fair bit of work and mucking around if I'm honest, like stuff mm. hasn't arrived and um, it's just been a little bit of a palaver and I'm like, ugh. You know, I probably would have rather say, well, you were asking about saying no before. Mm. But then I think my little, my dad's face just lights up when I talk to him about taking him away this weekend. So, you know, like I think um, I could have probably owned this situation a little bit better and gone, Dad, let's do it on our own time in a different scenario. But um, I think, yeah, you pick your battles as as well, but I yeah, I think the issue is more that we don't talk. We we talk it, we don't walk it. I think that's the biggest issue we've got in most things. So true. I think it's really easy to put a put a meme up or put a statement up on social media or put something out there, but it's a whole other thing to actually hold the mirror up to yourself. <laughs> what am I going to do today, and how can I do it just in the way that I yeah. behave, and not just what I'm putting out there? Yeah, totally. Obviously, yeah, and I'm sure you would have seen and no doubt been part of the conversations around um, social media and sometimes this sense that what we put out there is seen as all the good highlights of life and not always the the down downside of, of life. Um, yeah. Has that has that had an influence on on you and uh, you know I think how how important do you think it is for us to be I guess just sharing the the highs the lows the realities of well uh, the truth of the matter is on. from a business perspective right now negative stuff doesn't get the likes so mm. that's why no one posts low lights number one highlight reel everyone knows it's a highlight reel that's well documented and i mean i talk about that heaps in talking and whatnot um but I think um, as long as you know it's a highlight reel, you take it with a grain of salt. But I think the cool thing about social media now is with Insta Live and Insta Stories and Facey Live and whatnot, you can share what's real now in the real time. There's power. And I think that when you're honest and real and you're doing, you know, live Q- Q&As and things like that, 
then the audience can connect to you. And I think at the end of the day, human beings want to connect. So if you're following someone and it doesn't feel real, like every photo is a photoshopped perfect photo, it's hard to engage with that all the time or, you know, like there's a, there is a movement of girls on Instagram that have got that real manufactured look, like ginormous boobs, ginormous eyelashes, ginormous lips, you know, like they, mm. that, that's a big movement, that more sexy look as opposed to healthy and whatnot. And that's okay. Like there's a massive demographic for that. I completely respect and understand that. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen those kind of like accounts and I'm like, well, that's gorge, but like I can't connect to you. Like I, I don't have, I can't connect. And that's where I think, I'll always try and do like an Insta vid or an, a, a live vid or something because I want my audience to feel like they can connect to me and I want to be able to connect to them. And I think we innately need to feel a sense of belonging to something and that's where I think the stories are quite powerful because you feel like you're part of that that, that community. And I love that sense of just have a think about where the energy feels for you. If this feels right, then keep following it. If it doesn't, tune in somewhere else <laughs> it's just yeah. sometimes that choice as well exactly yeah you do you own it yeah yeah love it look it sounds like there's plenty of exciting opportunities coming for you some that obviously will be revealed as they come about oh i felt like such a dick no 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 like, I, I love it i love it it's it. like it's dangling a carrot it's exciting and um whatever it is you know we obviously really wish you all the best with it i want to come full circle the name of this podcast is called standout life when you hear that term, what does it mean to you to live a standout life? Oh, doing what feels right for you. So living from your heart and doing what is innately in your soul and what makes you feel good and owning who you are. Because if you try to keep other people happy and do what you think they want you to do, you will fail. So just do you. Love it beautiful thank you so much Lola it's been such a delight to chat with you thanks for having me mate loads of fun if you've enjoyed today's episode then there's every chance that you might also enjoy reading a copy of my book called stand out a real world guide to get clear find purpose and become the boss of busy you can grab a copy by heading to my website www.alisonhill.com.au If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd love it if you could take a few moments, pop over to iTunes and give this podcast a quick rating so that we can continue to share these conversations with people around the world. As always, I'm Ali Hill and this is Standout Life.